Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Church, welcome to Lanier Hills. Welcome to all of you online as well, worshiping with us today. Thank you for uh, being with us here and worship beautiful, beautiful uh, worship this morning. And I believe God has a message that uh, he really wants all of us to hear. I don't care if you've been, it's your first time in church or you've been since you were like a baby and grew up in the church and a thousand times. I believe today's message is one of the most important ones we can ever hear. So I hope you're ready for that. But thank you. I'm Pastor Randall and I am grateful to get to open the word today and to see what God wants to say to us. And he's spoken to me through this word already. And done the work in my heart through it, and, and especially in these first service as well. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and get it out with me. We're going to be in the book of John, John chapter 6 in just a moment, or if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, you can scan that little QR code on the seat in front of you, and there's, it'll take you to actually a Bible and the sermon notes and all of that, so you don't have to be jotting them all down, but you can keep up with those today as well. But we're going to be there in just a minute. We've been going through the book of John and just walking through it slowly, just kind of taking section by section, story by story, and talking about the, uh, the, who Jesus is, and this whole idea of coming and seeing who Jesus is. John wrote this book, this letter, so that we would know him and know who he is and what he's like and his character. And so we are taking that time to go through it and uh, for the, probably the next year as we go through that. So we're going to be in John 6 in just a moment. Well, you probably wonder, why does he have a backpack out there? Is he just carrying that stuff around all the time? You know, well... I've got it for a reason, you know, so because a lot of us, this, repre- this backpack represents this feeling that a lot of us have. And I've got this question. Do you ever wonder why some days it feels like you're carrying an invisible load that you just can't shake off? It might be like a, an emotion that you feel or these thoughts that you can't get off of you. Whatever, but it just feels like there's just something just weighing you down. And, he, and listen, you can be a Christian, love Jesus. Uh-oh, just pull my mic off. It's probably not supposed to happen that way. Am I on still? Yeah. So, and maybe you just feel like, you know, I thought I was following Jesus. I thought things were supposed to be lighter and easier. And why do I have all this burden in my life? Just feel, still feeling like maybe guilt something or it's whatever it is, it's guilt, it's shame or like you're not doing enough. So you just kind of get up each day like, I hope I'm doing enough. And Christians, maybe you feel that way or maybe you're not a Christian and you're still, and here's how you're living. You're hoping every day you're like, you know, I hope my good deeds outweigh all my bad deeds. I hope I'm doing enough that one day when I'm done and I stand before God, that when he sees me, he's just like, hey man, you've done a good job. So you just wake up every day hoping it's enough and you continue to do all these things, and here's what it is. So you've got all these little little things that you're doing. Like I hope I've, as a Christian, I'm like I hope I've prayed enough. I I hope I've gone to church enough. I hope I've you know done the. Um, I hope I've shared my faith enough. I hope I didn't you know like cuss too many people out when I got mad. <laughs> I hope you know I, you know whatever. And you just kind of go through, and these burdens just get heavier and heavier. Whatever. But we all, I think, a lot of us. I know for me. I still kind of feel like I'm walking around with this 
bag of burdens sometimes. Today we're going to talk about what do we do with that bag of burdens because it was not meant to be that way. It's not meant to be that way as we'll see today in the scriptures. And I want you to see today that it's, there's not something more we need to do. Matter of fact, we're going to see that to get rid of that bag of burdens that we ought to feel, we a lot of times feel, there's just one simple truth that we need to embrace. And that one simple truth will help us to relieve that burden and walk in the peace that God wants us to walk in. So by embracing that simple truth, we're going to see what that is today. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to pray with me, and I want you to ask God to speak to you and open your eyes and your ears, all of those things. So would you just close your eyes with me for a moment? And, and you can say this. You can say it out loud. You can say it quietly, whatever you want to do, but just say this. God, would you give me ears to hear your voice today? Lord, would you give me spiritual eyes to see you today? God, would you give me a mind to understand your truth? And God, give me a heart that can be changed and follow you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is powerful and it does not come back void. I thank you that what we're talking about today is so important that the enemy has already been scheming all day, all morning, to distract me, to distract our worship leaders, to distract people, that, and to just, I'm sure to distract people who are here listening. They probably have thoughts and worries and every distraction to keep them from coming today. But Lord, they're here. And so Lord, we ask that you would anoint this time with your presence and that you would just speak truth into our lives because we need it. We need the bread of life that you offer. Satisfy our souls today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So let me catch you up where we're at. So we've talked about two very popular stories from the scriptures where Jesus takes a little boy's fish and, and bread that he offered, the boy offers up to him, and he feeds 5,000 men, probably 10,000, 15,000 men, women, boys, and girls, and, and he feeds them with those, that little bit that that boy offers, and he performs this miracle. Then last week, we saw as Jesus finished that miracle, he told his disciples, I'll meet you guys on the other side of the lake. You guys go ahead and go over there. I'm going to go up, and he, and he says, and he went up to the mountain and rest. Now, as they went up there, he went up there to rest. They got started getting dark. The disciples said, well, I guess Jesus will figure out a way to get over there. So they go out into the middle of the, of the lake. A storm comes. They're scared to death. And then in the middle of the darkness and all the waves, Jesus appears walking on the water to them, right? And, and scares them to death. But at the same time, he calms the storm. And after he calms the storm, he calms the storm because they invite him into the boat. And we have to invite Jesus into our boat in the middle of the storm. So now they're on the other side of this, and it says after they did that, they immediately ended up on the shore. So now they're on the shore, and we're going to pick up where they were on the shore and what happens next. So here's what it says. John 6, 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So, so here's the deal. Who's here? Who's asking that? All of those people who had been fed the day before with Jesus' miraculous bread, now they've figured out they got up that morning, Jesus isn't here. He must have gone the other side of the lake. So they all get in their boats too now, and they've gone, it's about a three to five mile, um, like across the, the lake there. They get across, 
And now they're there, and they're like, how did you get here, Jesus? And so this is where we pick up. When did you get here? He says, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He's saying, you got a motivation. Look, you're not looking for me because you think I might be something miraculous. You're like, you had some good bread and you want some more. You ever felt that way? You're like, it's like they're at Texas Roadhouse and they brought out the rolls. And and they're like, we want some more of those rolls. You got any more rolls? We want some more. And so he's saying, you just here because you like the rolls. (laughs) And so here's what he says to him. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the God, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So he changed the, changes the conversation. He says, you're looking something to fill your bellies, but I come to, and you should be looking for something to fill your spirit and your heart. And that's what he's saying to him. He says, then they ask him, okay, well, what must we do? to do the works God requires. And Jesus answered, the work of God is this. This is what you do. To believe in the one he has sent. So he asked him, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they say, okay, you're talking about spiritual things. But here's what God did back in the Old you know, Testament. Remember when Moses went to God and said, God, would you provide for the people as they're roaming in the desert? They have no food. And so manna came down every morning. And they're saying, hey, our father, I mean, Moses had manna. What are you going to give us? Can you give us some of that bread too? So now they're kind of mixing up the spiritual and the physical here. And here's what Jesus said to them. Very truly, I tell you, It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They're thinking, we want bread like that every morning. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So the story continues, and we're going to pick up at the second half of that next week, but I want to focus on this first part. And so originally when I was thinking about preaching this, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to talk about the bread of life and all that, but I just preached on that actually about three months ago as we went through a series, and before we started this one, I talked about who Jesus was and different I am statements. So I'm not going to go back today and talk about Jesus as the bread of life. Instead, I want to focus on something else that I believe is extremely important for us to understand, and it goes back to the question that these, these people that were seeking Jesus asked. And I want to focus on that because I think it's the same question, that our answer to this question is the one that determines whether we're carrying around a bag of burdens or we're walking in peace with Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about that question that they asked. So let's go back there. Here's what they said. They said, so what, what must we do to do the works God's required? So they're asking this question. What do we need to do to have this spiritual, this spiritual depth, this spiritual food for our soul? But they're not really asking that. They're just basically saying, okay, what's the new thing we have to do? 
What's the latest on the list of works we have to do? See, they came from their Jewish background. If, let me give you a background of this. In the, Old, in the Old Testament, in the first five books of the Old Testament, there are 613 religious laws, rules, that a Jew must follow in order to be right with God. So, I don't know about you guys, but I have a problem with 10. Anybody else have a problem with 10? Just 10, right? Those are my heart. I can't even get those right. But there are 613 that, that God gave them to set them apart. So they have these religious rules that they have to follow. 10 of 613. Now what has happened, so they had these rules, they, and they were about this. They were about morals, like how you treat someone, the way you, the right things to do. And then they had social justice rules that were part of those. Like how, how do you treat the stranger? How do you treat someone who's down and out? So there were laws that they had to keep and, and religious rules. There were rules about um, food, like you can't eat certain things, you can't eat that. You, if you love God and you want to be right with God, then you cannot eat that. You can't have your bacon, right? You can't have shrimp, you can't have the good stuff. You can't have any of that. So they had all these rules, and so then they had these other rules, they had performance rituals. So whenever they were coming in to worship, there were certain things they could do, certain things they couldn't do, certain things they had to say and not say, and, and things they had to bring to sacrifices. So there were all these laws and rules that they had to do. And the whole idea behind these is that if you do these things, you will be right with God. If you do them, you're right with God. So the religious leaders said, okay, if this is the rules, this is the original 613, imagine that being the rules. They came up with some more rules that said, okay, we don't want to get anybody to get too close to the edge. So they made some more rules so that people would live not too close to the edge, but back here. So the oral traditions of the teachers brought in literally thousands of more rules. So their whole life was about doing the right things. We saw this a few weeks ago when the man who was healed and, and Jesus told him to get up and pick up his mat. What did they immediately say? You're not allowed to carry that on, the sun, on Sabbath. Right? Because that was one of the rules that you can't do. So there's all these rules. So here's what they think. All right, Jesus, what new rule do you have for us if we're going to be okay with God? What else do we have to do? And they're expecting to Jesus to give, all right, here's some, you're a teacher, give us a list of things that we have to do now. But how does Jesus answer, church? This is amazing. Look what he says. Jesus answers this. This is the work of God that you what? What's the word? Believe. That you believe in him who he has sent. You mean not a task? There's nothing I have to do? I mean, there's not any like checklist or anything? Some of us like the checklist. Anybody like checklists? You like the checklist. You get them all checked off. At the end of the day, you're like, I have accomplished something. Right? And so in religion, a lot of us like the checklist because it makes us feel good about ourselves. Makes us feel good about our ego and our pride, and I can measure myself with everybody else. But Jesus doesn't give a checklist. He says this thing, believe. Believe in him. Let's talk about that a minute. So what does that word believe mean? Was it simply to just say, okay, I acknowledge that there is a God, that Jesus is pretty powerful. Now see, the word here is the word pistuus. Pistuus. This Greek word, 
And it means this. It's not, a, not, not just a fleeting belief, but a deep trust that transforms. It's not just to say, oh yeah, you know, he's the God, but it's to actually believe in a way that it transforms you and changes something. For example, I've had four kids now. The youngest one is 18, and um, they have all learned to drive, and I had the privilege of teaching them all because mom said, I'm not getting in the car at all, right, if they are going to be learning. So the cool thing about our church is big parking lot, and it's open. We're just people here all the time practicing driving. A lot of you taught your kids how to drive in this church parking lot. This past week, we had people out there practicing driving, and I taught all my kids here. Now, in the parking lot, it's one thing, like, oh, I believe you can drive, but to get on the road with a kid, some of y'all been there, right? You know what I'm talking about. You're like, just yesterday, I was wiping your butt, and now I have to, like, trust you with my life right? Yes, now, I mean, it happens like, like that. And so yesterday, so now my daughter, Savannah, she was the first one, brought her up here, taught her how to drive. Dana said, I'm not getting in the car. She'd break out in hives. She said, like, I'm not getting in that car. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. We finally got on the road. And one day in that season, we were going down the road. We we're going down Thompson Bridge Road. And um, her sister was in the car, in, in, the, in the seat behind us. And Savannah, my oldest, was driving. And as we're going down the road, um, we see a deer coming. Right as we cross Thompson Bridge Road going into to Gainesville, we see a deer running down from the subdivision there. And the uh, daughter in the back, she goes, a deer! And I see it, and Savannah's like, what? And immediately I expected her to slam on the brakes and kill us all, right? Or to speed forward, you know, and he like hit the deer. But Savannah comes slow, slows down, the deer runs across, we're all safe, and I'm like, she's got this, <laughs> I can trust that she's going to be good driving. Now, I can say all day, I trust my daughter's driving, but until I get in the car with her and let her drive me, I just have a belief. But a transformative trust gets me in the car and it takes me somewhere. And that's what it's like with Jesus. It's not to just say, okay, I believe, yeah, you're you're powerful, you're a good teacher. No, it's to say, you are the son of God. You are the one who has the bread of life. You are life. I'm getting in with you. And I'm going somewhere with you. That's, that's the idea. So belief is not just... And, and then the second thing is this. So there's a transformative trust, but the second thing is this. It's a specific trust. See, Jesus didn't say this. The work of God is to believe in a God. Didn't say that. In our culture today... There's many who think, hey, they're all the same gods. And if you just have faith in a God or just something, you're good. But Jesus didn't say that, did he, church? What did he say? To believe in the one he sent. And he says, I'm that one. It's a very specific faith that, that Jesus is the one, came from heaven, walked along this earth, died on, his, on a cross specifically for us, and he's saying this specifically, it's in him. If you trust in him, that is what the work of God is, not anything else. So to summarize it all, here's what it comes down to. Jesus says this. You know what God requires? This one thing. Have transformative trust in Jesus alone. Have transformative trust in Jesus alone. And you'll be loved and accepted by God. 
See, the true work, look here, the true work of God isn't found in rituals we observe or the deeds we accomplish. It is found in a heart that believes and trusts in Jesus. Church, that's the message. That's the simple gospel. Jesus didn't give us a list or categories of things. He just said this, believe. Now, some of you are like, I'm sure... The first service had a little more energy. They were a little more awake, which is amazing. At 9.30, you guys got to sleep an hour and a half longer. Are you guys awake today? You got to be amen-ing or something. Like, this is good news. Amen. amen, right? They're hooting and hollering. You guys are like, all right, come on. Wake up. The true work of God isn't to any works or deeds. It's in trusting in Jesus. Amen. 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 There you go. All right. But here's the deal. We can know that, but still revert back to asking the same question that they ask. What does God require of me? How should I be living? What should I do? And we immediately go back to our tasks, our deeds, our actions. And we start to build our relationship off God. Even though we know we're saved by faith, we start to build it off our deeds and our actions. And you may say, well, I don't do that. Well, let me give you, real quick, some signs that you may be trusting in your deeds or actions rather than the trusting in the faith and the belief in Jesus Christ to save you. Let me give you a few signs. So let's go through these real quick. I want you to have a little bit of introspection. Ask this about yourself. First one, just, it's your motivation and deeds. What's your motivation for doing good things, right? Are they done to earn God's favor or avoid punishment? When you do good things, are you thinking, all right, I'm going to do this because if I don't, God might get me. If I don't do this, God might get me. Or I'm doing this because if I do it, then God will just love me even more and show me his favor. And, you know, you're just, why are you doing what, what? If it's even outside the church or in the church, what's your motivation for doing good? See, as a believer, we understand this, that our motivation should not be out of duty, but out of delight. It's out of delighting in the love that Jesus gave for us. Then we do things not out of duty. The second one, do you have the sense that you feel uneasy when you're not, quote, performing? Do you feel unease or guilt when you're not engaged in religious or charitable activities? I was talking to a church friend, a friend this morning who um, wasn't able to come today. He's got a crazy schedule going on. And I remember being a day when when if I had missed a church service, I would feel guilt and shame. Anybody else? Maybe feel guilt and shame. You're not in there. Because... Listen, can I tell you something? What if it's whether it's missing church or not spending time in the word or doing something else? If you feel guilt and shame and uneasy for not performing your religious duty, your faith is not based on what Jesus did for you. It's on what you can do for him. Now, does that mean we, don't, we shouldn't be in church? We shouldn't do those things? Well, yeah, we do it out of delight, not out of duty. We do it because we want to, not because we have to, right? So it's not about performing. So third thing, there's a lack of assurance. A lack of assurance. Do you, sen- you have a sense of being loved by God? Does your sense of God fluctuate with your performance? So you're like, okay, I'm doing well today. I mean, we all have our good days, don't we? We have our good days. We have our bad days. We have our days where... You're going, you're late to work, and someone is slow in front of you, and you're just like, 
Lord, I trust your plans. <laughs> you got it all. Then, and then you have other days where you're on their tail, and you're like, get out of the way. Oh, my, you know, you know, you're just not trusting God at all. You all have your days, right? You have your, and you have your days where the kids are at their worst, and mom, you have just kept your cool all day. And there's other days where they think mom has been possessed. <laughs> and listen, your assurance, if, 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 it's, if, if it's based on how you behave, then your sense of being loved will fluctuate with how you behave. Up and down, up and down. And that's the burden you feel. On your bad days, you're like, oh, you feel the burden. And on your good days, you're like, I'm living light today. I've got, I'm good. I didn't yell at the kids. I didn't even like cuss when I st- you know, kicked the bed. I didn't even do that today. You're living good. But one of the bad days is there a lack of assurance. How about this one? And this is an important one. Comparing yourself to others. Do you have a habit of comparing your spiritual or moral, moral actions to others as a way of gauging your standing, standing with God? You look at others and you think, I went to church three times this, this I went to church three times this month. Where have they been? They haven't been three times in a year. I spend a good bit of time. I've memorized this many scriptures. You just start going through the list of all of your spiritual accomplishments. And here's the danger, church. The longer you know Christ, the easier it is to start comparing yourself to others. And that pride comes in, and it's pride built on you rather than what Jesus did for you. Yeah, are you comparing yourself? This is a tough one. How about relief in, relig- in rituals? You have, there's relief in rituals. In other words, it means this. Rather than just coming to church to really genuine worship, you're just checking the thing off the list. Whew, got that off the list. Did that thing. Wrote that tithe check. Got that off the list. You did this thing. And you just go through the list and you have relief. Oh, I did all the right things rather than, man, I can't wait to give. I can't wait to worship. I can't wait to serve. Six, fear over grace. Do you have fear or anxiety about not doing enough? That you just kind of, this uneasiness that you feel that maybe you haven't been good enough today. That you haven't done enough today. And it's an anxiety that, like, if, if I died today and I stand before God, oh, have I done enough? Maybe that's you. Seven, two more. Seven, there's a lack of joy in service. Do you serve and with, with a burden or an, an obligation rather than just joy and love? When you have to serve others and you're like, I gotta go do this thing. I have to do this, man, I gotta do it. And listen, if you're doing it that way, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're not doing it, you're doing it, your motivation is not right. But if you're doing it out of delight instead of duty, you can't wait to love and serve other people. But if you're doing it and just out of obligation, you're like, if I don't do this, then God doesn't love me as much. Finally, transactional thinking. Do you often think, if I do this, then God will do that. If I 
do the right thing, then God's going to do this thing for me. But if I mess up, if I don't do the right thing, then God's going to get me in this way. If that's how you think, your relationship with God is not based on grace or faith. It is grace. It is based on your works. See, what we need to get to understand, church, is this, is that God's favor and love are found in a heart that truly believes and trusts in Jesus, and that's enough. Nothing else can satisfy it. That is it. And listen, and get to the place where you understand you can do absolutely nothing to get God to love you anymore, and you can do nothing to get God to love you less. It's in him. So that's the gospel. And unless we get that, we walk around with this burden all the time. I want you to imagine with me today that if Jesus were like standing here and there's this invisible bag of burdens you're carrying around, he's like, why are you carrying those? Don't you know what I've done for you? Don't you know that it's just belief in me? And you're like, but, but I like my list of things. I like the task. It helps me feel accomplished and feel like I'm doing all the right things. And he's like, let me have that. Let me, let me carry that. Imagine how much lighter life would be if we just truly lived in the grace and love that Jesus showed us. Lay down our bags. I'll be honest with you. I have a trouble, trouble of just bringing, constantly wanting to pick it back up. See, I grew up here in the South in the, seven, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and where church was all about a list of rules. Anybody else grow up like that? Church was all about a list of rules. You do these things and if you aren't doing them, then guess what? You're probably going to hell and they'd get a good preacher to come in and scream and spit and all that and it would scare the hell out of you. <laughs> but it would scare you and so and I've shared this before but I would go to summer camp every year with the teenagers and they you know and I was a teenager with a teenage brain and I did teenage dumb things and and then I would but I loved Jesus and I'd go to camp and then they would when I would leave you know at camp I would hear the preacher speaking and and I would feel like I must not love Jesus enough I must not be enough and everybody in camp did. And everybody would go down front and everybody would get saved again. And we'd come back and the whole youth group would get baptized again. I got baptized six times. I really did. Because I was never enough. Listen, I'm never going to be enough. And you're never going to be enough. Jesus is enough, church. We finally get that. There's so much freedom. So now I'm learning to walk in the freedom that I'm never going to be enough, but Jesus was enough for me, and i got to lay down that bag of burdens. On the days I don't get it right, he's enough for me. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I encourage you. Two things. Fully believe and trust in Jesus. Lay down your bag of burdens. Fully believe. Maybe you have never done that in your life. You're still hoping... You're not even trying to be religious. You're just trying to be good and hope that's enough. It's never going to be enough. Jesus said this. This is what God requires. Believe in him. Have you done that? That's it. It's simple. 
Not a list of rules. Believe in him. That's it. Have you done that? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a minute. Listen to what Jesus said, church. Believe in him. And he came to take that from you. He wants to take this from you. So Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, here's what he says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what Jesus offers. He says, come to him. Have you done that? If you have and you're a believer, why are you still carrying that stuff? Instead of carrying that around, I want to encourage you to leave that bag behind starting today and then start to live this way. Live in a joyful response to the greatest gift you've ever received. Like, this is the best thing. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to earn it. But it's a transformative trust. I trust in you. Now, I want you to take me somewhere. You know where it takes you? It takes you to a life of joy. It takes you to a life of obedience, not because you have to, but because you want to. Are you living that way? Are you serving because of what Jesus did for you, not because you want something from him? Are you, are you treating people right because of what he did for you? Are you building your life on the grace and love of Jesus, or are you trying to build your life on earning his love? Let's give him that bag this morning. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. So I got a couple of questions for you. I want you just to, with your eyes closed, just contemplating, thinking inside. Well, I want to ask this question first. Why might the idea of a relationship with God, rather than ritual practices, be appealing, be appealing to you? Why would you rather live that way? with your rules and your laws and hoping it's enough. What's appealing about that to you? Or is it appealing? Is it appealing because you can, you can measure it? Makes you feel good about yourself. Is it appealing because you don't have to humble yourself and just realize you're not enough? Second question. In what ways might I still be seeking approval or validation from God based on my actions rather than resting in His love and acceptance? So where in your life right now might you still be trying to win God's approval? his favor by doing things I can tell you how you know where do you feel guilt and shame still when you're not doing something now sin will still bring conviction but even then on our lowest moments we can still rest in the grace of God where might you feel some shame and guilt
for those of you who've been a Christian a long time, let me ask you this one. Are there areas in your, in your life where you have unknowingly dri- drifted back to a works-based approach rather learning to live by faith? So God calls us this morning. This, the point is to put your complete faith and trust in him. Have you done that? If you've never done that before in your life, the scripture is very clear. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Have you ever done that? And the scripture is very clear that we just call out to him and believe that he is the one who came from heaven, who lived on this earth, died for your sins, rose again three days later. And if you believe that and put your hope in that, let it be a transformative faith that takes you somewhere new and changes your life. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you. And if you feel like that's, that's what you need, it's what we all need, I want to encourage you right now, just say, Lord, come save me. You are the bread of life. And I want to I want to follow you. If you just prayed that, and just, here's what I want you to do, man. In just a moment, you let us know. Let somebody know. You can let me know. Take a, take a comment card when we're done, and while we're singing this next song, write your name on the front of, front of it. On the inside, it says, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. Take a moment and do that. Believers, time to lay down that bag, lay down that burden, live by faith. Would you just ask Jesus right now, Jesus, help me to live by faith in what Jesus, what you did for me already. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us this morning. Let it show up in our life. Transform us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.